Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on! Come on! For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed. A one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Will Be King, and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your women, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. Behave yourself. To understand... How he has made the mark of Cain. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to The Mark of Cain, our trek through the highways and the byways of the film career of Michael Cain, pausing to take in every movie and figure out what the good ones tell us about what makes Cain such a star and what the bad ones tell us about a man with the most varied CV in cinema history. I'm joined as always on this trek by Stephen Black, the creator and chief artistic director of the Mallow News Twitter account, which is still your one-stop shop to be amused and repulsed, possibly all at the same time. And of course, also you have the Mallow News book that's out and about uh, in your shops and, and, and online and everywhere else you want to get your books. Um, but today, today is a big one. Today we're hitting the big time. This this is the movie that made the man. This is the moment that Michael Caine became Michael Caine. This is Alfie. Get your knee off the steering wheel. I can't. I'm stuck. Here, look out. I'll do it. Oh! Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. My name is... Alfie! Alfie. Alfie. Bubbles with impudent humour and ripe modern wit, says the New York Times. I was having a beautiful little life. There was this manageress of a dry cleaners. And I was getting a suit cleaned in the bargain. Everybody's running after Alfie. Do you love me? Uh, uh, what can I say when you ask? You shouldn't ask, you know. I'll tell you when I feel like it. Would you like me to give you something to make you sleep? Now, there's a good idea. All right, then. Come with me. Stephen, this is the one, isn't it? This is it now. Oscars, parties, global fame, all the fun stuff starts for Michael Caine here now. This is, like, I hate the word icon. I think it's used so flippantly now. But, I mean, this is, I mean, this, plus Ipcris, to a much lesser extent, this is like 10 plus 1 plus 1. It's like 10 Alfie plus 1 Ipcris plus 1 Zulu makes him into a global superstar. This is it now. Yeah, and I mean, if that movie, if Alfie was the movie that that trailer promised, I'd be, I would have been delighted rather than fucking loading every single minute of it. I, I, I you know, you know already, I fucking hated this movie. 
in yeah, every single second of it. Couldn't wait for it to be over. <laughs> it just, just, it's just, I know you listen to the trailer, you kind of go, oh, it's a knockabout sex comedy with, you know, cheeky chappy Michael Caine and, oh, mm. he's going to be, you know, betting girls left, right, etc. And it's all in good fun. And it fucking isn't. It, there is nothing in good fun. Uh, so I know we've just listened to the trailer, but uh, I, I just want to read out a few quotes from the movie poster. Uh, it's a rave. Uh, mm. Often wildly funny. Uh, rich, ripe, randy portrait of a Cockney Casanova. It's dead funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't get any of that. Uh, my own, my own uh, personal favourites are from the foreign language version. So, okay. Uh, in Dodo Hombre, hey, un Alfie. <laughs> this is uh, Inside Every Man, there's an Alfie. And El Seductor Irresistible. <laughs> I'm assuming it's the spell. El Seductor Irresistible. Muy Irresistible. Yeah, um, and then the the French one, which is a bit baffling for me, and it was "C'est chouette après l'été," no? Okay. Which I, I, after, it's 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 cool after tea, isn't it? Oh, okay. so I, I I don't know. Is it is this something I'm missing? No, in in uh, the 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 kind of the the uh, criteria for, for 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 French sex at the time was that you know. It, in France, we don't have sex after tea because you know we're we're usually talking about politics or or, or or something like that. Whereas in Britain, this guy's gas, he will have sex after tea. I I don't know, or because he's know. British, you have to have tea first and then sex later, and then sex later. Maybe 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 yeah. there's a bit of a touch of afternoon delight, wasn't it? Always that's you know love 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 in the afternoon in France is when you have your affairs, isn't it? I think there's something like that. Yeah, you know, if you yeah men have their sankasis, you know the five to six is your is your time for your mistress. Ah, allegedly. I see. You're way ahead of me on this stuff. Way ahead. Um, the um, yeah. Look, I, I, it has to be said at the outset. Um, and you know, this will apply to a lot of Kane movies in the in the coming decade or so that we're going through. Um, we're coming. We're we are coming to this like, and we're we're allowing for the era, and we're allowing for you know different kind of forms of humor, different outlooks, different attitudes, everything. Right. Without without giving up our own. 21st century attitudes towards things, right? We have to, that has to be said. And we did apply this to Alfie, didn't we? Like we're, we're, you're coming, you're, you're, you're saying you hated every second of it, but you, you hated every second of it as much as you could through the prism of watching it as a, as a, um, a 60s movie that has been since considered as one of Kane's most iconic roles, right? Yeah, I mean, like, as I say, we're trying to make as much of an effort to view it through the prism of the time that it was filmed, but I just found it really, really difficult in this instance because his character is so unlikable. So there, is no, there is nothing likable at all. He's a complete... Uh, he's a complete... Just in case anybody's wondering why I just said Alfie, uh, we, we've made a decision because his character is so repulsive that uh, we will be using a five-letter word for a very popular, uh, but unfortunate four-letter word. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Like he's um he is without doubt one of the most repulsive screen characters I've ever come across. And I don't care actually whether you're watching it in 1965, 66 or in 2021. Um if you I mean there there was more than what I like there was more than enough there to be appalled by him at, in any era. What I thought was interesting was, you know, there was this sense at the time you look back at the reviews that um the element of breaking the fourth wall, which is where Alfie very often turns to the camera and tells you what's going on in his head or tells you what, what he's thinking, somehow was seen as a way of endearing him to the audience, when most of the time he was just backing up precisely what he was doing on screen. Well, he makes you complicit. It's, 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 you know, it's almost involving you in the car crash and involving you in the terrible things that he's doing. It's by taking you into his confidence. It's, yeah. it's gross. Now, I have um, to say, before we, just before we go any further, right? I mean, yeah. you hate it. I didn't hate it. 
I, like I just thought I kind of found it bizarrely compelling watching it. Now, you know, it's it's as you said there, like it's billed as a kind of a romantic comedy drama, which is kind of you know three massive, three massive genres there that you can go into. But, but it's not billed as a drama at all. Every single yeah. poster review I said is that they're kind of throwing all like you know like, and you know like uh, when responsibility rears its head, then Alfie begins to take life more seriously. So I'm like, which he fucking doesn't. Not really, no, that doesn't no. really happen. Like he, um, like I, I didn't. I didn't laugh once during it. And funny enough, when I was just, you know, just scribbling out kind of the plot outline for the purposes of this, again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'll I'm, go through it now. I, I defy anybody to find any kind of comedy potential in any of the stuff that happens here, right? But, you know. Bizarrely, even, yeah, even things that are played for kind of re- really slapstick, like uh, like his uh, love scene with uh, Shelley Winters uh, yeah. on the couch where, he, where they hilariously tumble off that, or even the bar, the the bar fight. There's a bar one the Yeah. With a piece of sped up photography where a guy, a guy gets hilariously launched through the air and his head le- uh, lands in the, you know, lands in through a window or whatever. I get this framed that way. Like something mm. you'd see in a fucking, uh, in, a, in a Western comedy from the fucking forties. Yeah. It, it's, it just, it all falls flat to these, to these eyes and ears anyway. So yeah, look, look just to go through the plot. And I think this is one of these, you know, Often occurs to me, like, you know, Alfie is rolled out as a, as a Michael Caine classic a standard, you know. I often wonder how many people have actually watched this film and just, you know, or, or are we just conditioned now to go, oh, Michael Caine, Alfie, I was one of his great roles. Um, well, I think we know who the, the, the people who watched this film were the people at the time, the, the directors and producers of the time who decided that this is a performance that was strong enough. Like, we'll get at these performances, there's nothing wrong with these performances. No, and you can nothing. see why it would have made such an impact. Yeah. But the film itself is dreadful. But it's I mean, so. this is this is what put him on people's radars. It was the, yeah. the the Oscar nomination and all that made him, you know, like made him a star, essentially. It does. It does. It does. It's so fast and it's such a fast turnaround from from, you know, zero to this. You know, it's incredible. Yeah. Will I go through the plot? Do you want to say anything before, Do, I, before I go on? No, by all means, just fucking, you know. <laughs> get it over the way. Okay, so Alfie. Alfie is Alfie Elkins. He's a chauffeur by trade. He's just a complete narcissist, selfish, self-centered guy. He gets involved with any woman that crosses his path, married or single, doesn't really matter. Treats them all like dirt. Calls them it. So a lot of the time when he's talking about women, it's it does this, it does that, it's good for this, it's not good for that, whatever. He, has, he does have a girlfriend called Gilda who's submissive and she's also pregnant. Um, but he cheats on her all the time. Um, initially, I don't think he wants to keep the baby, but when Gilda wants to keep the child, uh, christened Malcolm Alfred, which he doesn't like either. But when the baby is born, he becomes very attached to his son. Um, and so this is a, kind of like a vehicle to show Alfie's, you know, softer side that there is some good in here kind of thing. It doesn't really work for me, to be honest. Gilda is also being courted by Humphrey, who's a very solid but very dull, soppy sort of bus conductor. Eventually, um, she kind of succumbs to his char- charms, in inverted commas. Or he's, he's, I suppose his stability marries him uh, and tells Alfie, not you can't see the child anymore, get out of here. Um, ha- around the same time, Alfie's health goes down, uh, his shadows on the lungs. He spends six months in a sanatorium uh, where he hooks up with a nurse and subsequently the wife of one of the patients in there, a guy called Harry, and her name is Lily. Um, so Harry, in the course of various conversations in the sanatorium, tries to get through to Alfie that his life is sort of empty and so on and so forth. It doesn't really work. Um, when Alfie comes out, he gets a job taking photographs around the, around the, around the Tower of London. Uh, and in the course of that, he meets this sort of um, older American woman, a lust box, he calls her Ruby. Um, so he has a bit of has a bit of time with her. Lust box, I have to say, is something that reminds me of something you see in a very, very sleazy takeaway menu. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely breast of the box. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he goes back chauffeuring eventually, hooks up with another girl called Annie, who's played by Jane Asher, who we'll come back to later on. She's a hitchhiker who's bothered, who's bothered by a previous relationship, and that's kind of playing in her head a lot. But she literally ends up scrubbing Alfie's floors. And that's not a euphemism. She's literally scrubbing his floors. Um, in the course of around the same time, he finds out that Lily, who who was married to Harry in the in the sanatorium, has gotten pregnant. So it's time for a backstreet abortion, um, which is a harrowing experience, obviously, for Lily. But Alfie still finds time to head off outside because, you know, sure, sure. While, what else would you be doing? So he heads off, comes back, having run into the baptism of Gilda and Humphrey's uh, baby daughter so he sees Malcolm his son from distance and sees this happy family unit comes back to his flat where poor Lily is curled up on a couch tells him don't go into the kitchen he goes into the kitchen and he sees the aborted uh, fetus and this has a huge impact on him tears etc etc he goes off talks to one of his mates um, kind of has a has a and has an epiphany of sorts and that he he goes back to the American Ruby uh, to say to settle down with this older woman. But of course, when he gets there, he finds out that she's after hooking up with an even younger man, which, of course, tells us that Alfie's life itself is finite and all that he believes in actually won't last forever at all, despite what he thinks. So all ends up with him uh, near uh, Tower Bridge. wandering along he meets an old flame who's gone kind of gone back to settle down with her husband who doesn't show much interest in him again and he has the famous line about your know, life what what's it all about and that's pretty much where it's left on that philosophical note yeah again the this attempts to kind of layer this level of philosophy and existential angst onto a character who's yeah. just Alfie. doesn't in any way kind of display that type of depth. i mean even this kind of this this kind of epiphany he has after the 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 abortion it's it's all focused on him it's not it, it's not in any way does he show any empathy towards you know like Lily or any other woman in, in the it's all he's all about himself there's there's no there's no scope for change he will not change he's a sociopath about I mean, the only th- about the only thing he does is try and raise the twenty five pounds it costs to have the abortion so because initially she had to pay for it of course but then he gets I, I mean, a, yeah, that, a, he gets a dose of conscience and tries to you know trade his watch I think or something for twenty five quid. You know, that's it. Yeah, but that's it. It's actually, you know, there really no change. He's incapable of change. Um, yeah, how he reacts to it. I mean, it doesn't. It, this whole declaration of love for Ruby isn't really. It's not even a real thing. It's just him reacting to a bad experience, thinking, "Oh, this will give me what I want." Just, but it's going to be a short term solution yeah. for him. He's just going to. It's. It is locked in a cycle. He's not capable of growth. He's no. Just, he, just a man child. He's just fucking an appalling. And he's deserving of, like, I mean, this is the worst thing about it. Nothing really bad happens to him in this movie when you think about it, really. It happens to the women that he's, that he, that he has a relationship. They all suffer from being with him. I mean, except with the, the I suppose with the exception of uh, his, uh, like, the first girlfriend that we're introduced, at least she gets out and she she goes off and she set, yeah. settles yeah. for, the, you know, the, the man who loves her, but she's crazy about in order to have that st- stable family life that Alfie won't give her. But everyone else, like Jane Asher's character, Jesus Christ, they thought they're all Is blank this... slates for him to, to blank yeah. slates for, for him to just fucking project onto. Like it's... And she particularly plays that blank slate. Well, and I, 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 I think, and her and, and Gilda, her original girlfriend, I think, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's, um, I think it's a very good performance by both of them as a blank slate. Like, I don't think that that would be their normal um, setting. You know what I mean? They've like, She plays it very well, this kind of blank, kind of slightly lost northerner down in London, and she's completely um, under this guy's thumb. 
But it's the fact that she's picked up by a lorry driver and it's taken for granted that yeah. she is now his property. Yeah. And Alfie steals her from him because yeah. she's fucking chattel. Despite yeah. it's it's nineteen fucking this is nineteen fucking sixty six now. It's not fucking nineteen forty six. Yeah. This is the mid sixties. This is a so called sexual revolution is supposed to be under its way. You've got the contraceptive pill is now freely available. Mm-hmm. You know, women are supposed to be out there enjoying a more uh, you know, a, a world with, let's say, where they have more access to sexual exploration or freedom than they would have before. But this is completely through the prism of this lad who is, you know, I suppose in this film, 1966, he's 30. So no interest in popular music, nothing like that. You know, he's very much a lad who grew up in the 50s. Um, dresses like, when he's courting, dresses like Alan Partridge going to a yacht club. <laughs> he even does, has the fucking yeah. captain's jacket. Like, <laughs> he's right, completely, yeah. like, he's completely out of time. And it's completely, it's, yeah, it's, words just—it's just words fail me in terms of how words, this is considered such a classic movie. You know, for me, I was expecting—I was expecting. Okay, Kane would be very good in this, and there would be something to this that I will enjoy. I was like, fucking no. For, I mean, for the first five minutes, I took me a good thirty seconds when he was talking about it to realize that he was referring to the woman that he was with. It was like it was that was that was yeah as a notion how that was again. Of the, I don't even think that was particularly of the fucking time. Like even not this, at all. Or not was it maybe? No, it, no, 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 not at all. I mean, I, I have to say, I, like, I need to ask you this actually because maybe, maybe I was expecting more misogyny than you were. I mean, what? I get the impression that it kind of took you by surprise. It didn't. I mean, I knew the ish thing was coming. Um, I didn't expect. I mean, he's. I mean, at one stage when that poor woman is in the, you know, in, during the abortion, he slaps her. Like, I mean, I didn't expect yeah. that level of sort of. Um, of just re, re, just appalling behavior um, from from any character, but it, I, I did expect him to be horrible. He was as horrible as I expected, plus a bit. But I get the sense that you it took you by surprise, a small bit, did it? It did. I would just maybe I'm just a naive country boy, Vic, but I didn't. Expect, You're just a lovely uh, fella. You're just a lovely lad. You're not used to that kind of carry on. No, um, just yeah, I'm disgusted. <laughs> It's disgusted. Like, you know what? But you know what we got to do? You know what we got to do? We, we got to, to be fair, and especially because, you know, this is really, this is about Kane. We got to separate the movie from, from the actor here. Like, yeah, I thought his performance, like, I have to say in all the years, and I know we have a lot of films to watch, and I, I may I may change this view, but of all the films that I can remember watching Michael Kane in, this is the first one ever that I can say I was not conscious of watching Michael Kane. Does that make sense? That he would yeah, this, this sense, idea, yeah. this idea that he has himself, that he that he inhabits characters. You know, he does inhabit this character. Like he disappears behind this. Alfie. Yeah, and I don't think like this is the first, certainly the first movie so far where he is definitively the focus of the movie. I mean, he has ninety percent of the dialogue in the movie. Like it, the camera rarely strays from him, so he's entirely the focus of the movie, and he carries it off. Brilliantly, he is excellent, and he he really does disappear into the role. Mm. I think it'll be interesting to see if he replicates this kind of performance because, again, you usually see the curse of the Oscar coming when anyone kind of gets a well, he didn't win, but he but this is anyway at least, but he got nominated, and there does tend to be kind of a hype in and around that, and you tend to kind of relax the old acting muscles and tend to mm. you know like lean into lean into the slide and uh, <laughs> not put in that effort. So it'd be interesting to see whether but it does mm. like this this and if Chris. I mean, as a pair of movies where he's genuinely acting and he's genuinely putting in the effort and wanting to be good. As yeah. He talks about, you know, um, thinking that he was doing well in the film until Denim Elliott came into film. See, so Denim Elliott um, uh, has a cameo as sources as the abortionist in this. And he's Kane brilliant. Felt that he had to, he's brilliant, but he, Kane felt that, he, you know, this is a signal for him to pull up his socks and do even better. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, all of this awareness and this hunger is still there. And it's just, you know, yeah. you just wonder what something like this kind of, 
will he will he will he push on with this or will he kind of uh submit to the dark side in terms of just you know easing off on the brake or easing off the accelerator sorry Alfie was very very important to me but but when I made it I thought it was too parochial even to show in America and what happened when they saw it is they made me do 127 loops of dialogue which is replace the dialogue so that because I'd done it with a very thick cockney accent so that the Americans could understand it because they'd done a cockney film called Sparrows Can't Sing Joan Littlewood and they'd shown it at the Lincoln Center with subtitles in New York and I didn't want any movie of mine going out with subtitles yeah, yeah Alfie was would be the one uh, which was um, Alfie was the most important picture I ever made really because without that I wouldn't have the rest of them if we were in 1966 now and, and we've watched this film, we've come out, we're going, this is the birth of an amazing talent here. We've seen something amazing because he just completely, as you, completely inhabits it. You're dead right. He's clearly like lost in the thing. I mean, he, it's a, it, number one, it's a role that, that fits in terms of it being a cockney. It allows him just to speak. You can tell, you can tell he's drawing on things. You know, you can just tell from the way he's talking. He's so comfortable with the dialogue. I read in his, in one of his autobiographies that, you know, he knew the script back to front. Like he, he wanted this so bad. Maybe this was because he actually auditioned for Alfie, the stage play. And he says that it was the worst audition he, he ever did. He just completely messed the lineup. Obviously didn't get the part. It actually went to Terence Stamp, who was his flatmate at the time. That, that Alfie uh, stage play went to Broadway. It was a flop. Uh, and when it came to making the movie, Stamp didn't want to go near it. But they went through a lot of people before they got to Kane. It's hard to imagine anyone else doing it, really. Like, But there you go. Yeah, there you go. You know, but he, um, you know, the fourth wall bit, I thought, I mean, again, for a guy, you know, fronting up a movie, I know Whip Chris was his first front up, but this was really was his movie. I mean, to take on the idea of the fourth wall and to to if, to, to make that work as well and to deliver to, to deliver it in such a kind of a an intimate way to the audience, these kind of little soliloquies about what he was thinking. I thought that was, re- it was really, really good. Well, he worked on that with the director to make sure that they were, you know, to get, camera right up close to them so the audience felt as if they were complicit in it and part mm. of it which unfortunately worked a treat um i thought it was interesting because i did a quick jimmy google on breaking the fort wall of movies and i thought that the first instance of the fort wall being broken was in a 1918 movie called men who i have made love to oh, uh, okay uh, uh, uh which i think was a mary or martha mcclain um, right. The author of the book, the script, uh, basically plays a, a woman, a very sex, sex positive woman, uh, hmm. who I think there's like six vignettes where she, you know, like falls in love, but comes out on top in all of those situations. Because it's an inst- interesting parallel to Alfie. Yeah. You know, like, you know, yeah. fucking 40, year, 40 years on, and you have all these submissive women in a movie yes. in the so called sexual revolution of the 20th century back in 1918, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of years after the after our pro boys. Nailed the proclamation to the front of the GPO by that a woman was proudly declaring herself to be, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't play. Uh, it was, you know, it's interesting. It's very, interesting. it's very interesting. And, and like, I like the thing is that I mean, you know, it's 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 a discussion for another podcast. But I, I don't think you have to dig too deeply into the sexual revolution of the sixties to, to find an incredible layer of misogyny that was going on through that whole thing. I mean, it was free love, yeah, free love, but on our terms, like on male terms, you know, but that's, a, that's maybe for, for, for another day. But yeah, like, I mean, I, I thought he carried it off really, really well. I, I mean, I can see, you could see why he was nominated for an Oscar. He actually didn't even travel to the Oscars. He didn't fancy he was going to win it. Uh, Paul Schofield won it um, for a man for all seasons. He played Thomas Moore, um, which I've seen, which I've seen, but I don't remember it being a great movie. 
Yeah, it's very long and kind of dragged along. Yeah, I actually, you know what? I mean, you know, again, accepting that the movie itself is is a bit of a cure its egg in lots of ways. I mean, I, I I would like to see the other performances from that year that Kane didn't get an Oscar for this because he was, I thought he was superb. I mean, he to the point, like when you think about it, like he spent most of his life, well, certainly up to a certain age anyway, kind of explain to people that I'm not Alfie, you know? Well, it, it's, it, I mean, the whole breaking the fourth wall has stuck to him like a fucking uh, uh, like a barnacle to the hull of a ship mm. all through his career. Yeah. It's the thing, if you're, you're to, to lazy impressionists, to the most accomplished uh, uh, impressionists of Kane, his sketch will always do the breaking the fourth wall thing because that was so definitively a thing yeah. that he did. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he, he, he made it his own. This, this, this was it, you know. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, you know, the director was Lewis Gilbert. Uh, who also directed him in Educate and Read It, which is another Oscar nomination, you know? So, I mean, but a big, long gap between between those movies. Also directed, also directed Moonraker. Yeah. Where, now, you're more of a Bond guy than I am. Where would you put Moonraker in, in, in that particular canon? Moonraker is the, uh, the top five worst. Top five worst? God off. Oh, it's God off. Okay. God okay. Off. okay. Yeah. I, I, a couple of a couple of stars from Alfie end up in that. I think Harry, the guy in the, the, uh, the sanatorium, is in... Yeah. Uh, is in Moonraker playing consumptive man. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? Consumptive man? Real, real, having been, yeah, real typecasting. Having been chesty man in this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, his wife in, in this film, Vivian Merchant, she plays Elise. She's absolutely superb. She's, she she's really great. Yeah. She's yeah. fantastic. But um, is there anything else we want to touch on here? Like, I mean, you know, I, I find it's funny. I mean, hopefully in these podcasts, we'll find a bit more kind of to... To, to kind of poke fun at and have a bit of uh, have a bit of a laugh around. This is a very hard film, even though it's a comedy tashi. Yeah, yeah, we're not exactly going to be all edge lord and do fucking you know like hard edge comedy about the abortion scene. It's it's not. It's a fucking really grim and yeah, f- real hard going aspect of the film. And it comes right. It's I mean, you got about a tonal shift to the film. I don't think I've ever come across one. I mean, considering this, it was supposed to be a comedy. I kind of it's hard to think an audience w- wouldn't have just suffered from fucking whiplash watching this in the movie theaters back in nineteen sixty six. Even yeah. now, you're kind of going, wait, wait, the what now? What the what? Did, he did what? He just he, he yeah. just hit her there. What? Yeah. Did he just say that to her? Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable stuff. Some of it. What was your thing about um? Something about smoking or something to do. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I try, you know, I try to match you fact for fact. Well, no, I yeah. don't actually, but, okay, but occasionally I, will, I, I will occasionally get a couple of facts. Uh, Kane uh, maintains that uh, he, he learned uh, what he says in his autobiography never to smoke, but clearly he smokes another. He said uh, he smoked in one long shot in this where he, is, uh, where he had uh, a dialogue, I think, with Shelley Winters in it. And then they did, went in for the close up and he learned that you have to match everything. So he did over like over a hundred takes in order to get it right, and it broke his heart so much that he swore. Yeah. Just, 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 just to remind listeners, how does that fit into the Kane anecdote uh, template? Nobody famous involved, but I got to I got to follow up my second fact now, which involves somebody famous. So okay. Jane Asher, uh, who some listeners may may remember, uh, an actress in her own right, but obviously during the sixties was more uh, known for uh, being Paul McCartney's girlfriend. Um, but uh, she was seeing McCartney at the time. So this was in 1966. So this is when Sergeant Pepper's. They were, oh, they were together about three years. This age, he was yeah. actually living in her parents' house. He wrote like a lot of Beatles songs were written in Jane Asher's parents' loft. 
Yeah. So there's a scene in this where uh, Alfie gets out of, uh, gets out of bed after Jane Asher's character starts crying after they've they've had sex, and uh, she, in the original scene she gets up and she's wearing one of Alfie's shirts. Uh, but uh, Paul McCartney was unhappy unhappy with the amount of flesh that she that was on show. Really. Uh, so I had a chat with the producers and the director, and they they agreed to lengthen the shirt. So if you see it, the, the short this case is of the short uh, basically would make him to be about eight foot tall. Put the length of the shirt that much to make sure that her her modesty. Uh, her modesty in the movie about the misogynist who, uh, who gets a, a, an abortion and slaps the the the, the, the patient, um, you know, her modesty is maintained. Like, uh, yeah, I, I find I find it interesting that Macca was watching the rushes. That's that's, that's interesting in itself. But um, he went to um, he went to New York around this time again. This is the promo trip. This is you know it just takes off at such a rate. Um, so you know, this is the start of fame. He's he 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 goes to Elaine's, which is a famous restaurant in New York, and knocks over Woody Allen's wine glass. He stands on Ursula Andress's foot, showing 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 all the trademark suave sophistication of Harry Palmer. Actually, when you think about it, goes in and steps on the foot of the most beautiful woman in the room. I guess I mean he was hopefully made enough of an impression of Woody Allen from the cast of Manhattan and her sisters. I don't know. Yeah, well there you go. I suppose that was the beginning of a of a well a friendship. This made a bomb, though, didn't it? It wasn't just a, a critical success, it was a commercial success as well, though. Well, according to um, very loose internet sources, this, roughly speaking, in modern money, would have cost $800,000 to make, and it made $18 million. This was, yeah. I mean, we talk about a global phenomenon. I, I, I don't know what the comparison would be now, but this this was ginormous. It just goes to show it doesn't, just because a movie is popular doesn't necessarily mean, you know, we already know that. I mean, your fucking avatar is the is now yeah. again the, the the highest grossing movie in the world a movie with fucking smurfs with pituitary gland problems going around the fucking forest <laughs> m- molesting fucking other animals with their fucking hair penises it's yeah there's a touch of alfie yeah. about that too actually but like it just it yeah it does okay but it just it just i suppose it just copper fastens the 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 the, the, the aura around the film and this idea that it is a, a classic um yeah but like i think really you know, and in this, as we said there a little while ago, this affected Kane as well, having to try to distance himself from the character. Like, there's an interesting piece written by Mark Lawson, the critic, a couple of well, a good few years ago now, but he was making the point that um, even though the message of the film may have been, may have been, that the, you know, in truth, Alfie's life was completely empty and, and ultimately pointless, he was left alone. Uh, he didn't have his son, he didn't have any relationships, everybody had walked away from him by the end, that this is the product of this kind of life, that in actual fact, um, the message for most men in the 60s watching would have been, this is the fantasy male. This guy isn't handsome. He's wearing an appalling jacket with some kind of a crest on it. Uh, he's getting all these women to fall at his feet and basically be be a mother and a lover to him, whichever he wants at any particular stage. And uh, that this, you know, it, it, it would have had a very negative effect. Um, and when you consider, when you consider the amount of business it did, um, it's it's you know on on all levels on all levels this movie has not aged well at all you know when you consider the impact it consider the impact it may have had yeah well I mean the the uh, I think the overarching theme of this movie is kind of is isn't that strong in order for it to hit oh what audience but let's face it fucking yeah, young, yeah. Young, young men aren't exactly great in picking up on the nuances of a movie no. where uh, this kind of life is portrayed as all about oh yeah that looks great. Mm, yeah, well, that's it. That's it. I mean, everything seems to be going reasonably swimmingly until the last twenty. Um, no big American star. Shelley Winters was the big American star, and she actually gets second billing, even though she's nowhere near the kind of the second star. There's an interesting little one about about those two, herself and Kane. When it came to the first scene, 
uh, with them in, it was filmed in the Dorchester hotel. Um, they met in the corridor and he hadn't met her before. And she, she essentially propositioned him. She says, I proposition all my leading men just to get that tension out of the way before I have sex with all my leading men. I should say before, before we just get all that tension out of the way before we shoot. And he kind of didn't know where to look. And the next thing she starts roaring, laughing and kind of flounces off down the hall, leaving, leaving Kane shaken to the. Oh, so shaken and confused. <laughs> very confused. Very confused. Um, so yeah, I mean, what else do we want to say? Anything else? Anything else? I'll, 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 Trump, I'll Trump you now since I hated the movie so much. I'm just going to yeah. pour out fucking anecdotes, really. Uh, when uh, he was doing a, a, long, uh, a take with uh, she- uh, Shelley Long, or Shelley, Shelley Long, Shelley, Shelley that poor been, Shelley Long. That would have been, that would have been an entirely different movie with Shelley poor Winters. Uh, she was drinking from a glass of water and during one of the takes, he went over because he was thirsty and took a sip and found out it was pure, it was, it was neat vodka. Hey, oh. I just, he was asking, what are, you, what are you doing? And she said, I'm acting, darling. <laughs> while getting smashed this is what i need to get yeah. through this to be to be, uh, to be fair she's uh, having watched the movie i think i would need to be smashed in order to watch it again yeah yeah I, yeah yeah i would never i'd never seek this out again I, no no I, I, I the notion of watching jude law pay, playing some sort of water watered down as it might be metrosexual version of elfie transplanted mm. to new york is even less appealing yeah kane didn't fancy that remake at all actually he's like he kind of thought that jude law's Sorry, let me say his rendition of Alfie was a bit too intelligent, a bit too street smart compared to he, the original. Alfie. He sang Alfie. He sang Alfie. He what? His rendition of Alfie. He, he sings the song oh, of yeah. Alfie as well. That's a bit. <laughs> I don't know. What am I saying? What am I saying? You it's know fun. what I mean. His 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 acting part to play the Alfie. His, his, uh, his portrayal. His portrayal. His portrayal. There you go. There you go. That's why your I, editor has to do with all your stuff yeah. on, on a Saturday evening. Yeah. I'm on probation every single week. I have a guy, just constant. I've got a guy on my shoulder going, no, nah, you can't use all those words. Just use this one right one. Um, Mickey, Mickey you've used, Mickey, you've used hurl ball again. That's what he means later. <laughs> hurl ball, yeah. So, yeah, he's like, yeah, he didn't fancy it. Um, your man's portrayal of him was just too, too streetwise, too street smart. And I, I vaguely remember seeing the remake of Alfie, um, and I think it kind of ends up a bit neater for him at the end, if my memory serves me right. I don't oh, fuck it. I, I don't care. Nobody there was a sequel. Have you ever seen the sequel to this? Alfie Darling in the mid-70s. This was a proper now. This was proper confessions of... Uh, a, Alfie 2, sexual boogaloo. Yeah. This was pure confessions of a psychotic nymphomaniac with serious dad issues type of thing it was a proper sex comedy kind of thing with lots of kind of or misses but again i i saw bits of it and again not a laugh actually Your saw honor. i i i said yeah i saw um it was a pure robin asquith stuff robin asquith wasn't in yeah. it but it was that that kind of genre i even saw do you know what i was even watching the fast show an episode of the fast show the other night from like 25 30 years ago whatever and they had like a, a piss take on those confessions of kind of did a skit on it and even watching the skit on the confessions of what funny, just, just they're just I don't know where the I don't know where the humor to be mined in this is. Maybe it's just not for maybe it's just not for me. But I did I have to say I did find the film compelling. I did find Denim Elliott's brilliant in it. Vivian Merchant is brilliant in it. Um, Kane is brilliant in it. But just the actual the whole film itself is just so far off where we are now. I think it's just very very hard to get your head around it. Yeah, will you bring it home and anyway, do the Marco to Kane? Yeah, so what of, would you give him? So, uh, and just to clarify for people, like you know, we've just gone through that movie like a dose of salt. But when we're giving these Kane marks, it is for his performance more so than the movie. So, what would you give him? Give him a nine. Yeah, I'm the same. 
Like Ipcris and this for me are both are both nines. He's absolutely brilliant in it. He looks the part. Every single move. He even do you know why? He even do you notice that he walks without moving his arms in this? I didn't. No. Complete no move. And it sounds ridiculous, but and I know you're not going to go back and look at this again, but for anybody who hasn't watched this film, who is going to watch it, I think him not moving his arms actually makes him look even more of a He just kind of shifty or something, or there's something, there's something completely fake about not moving your arms when you're walking. And it's just when you see it. Like, this is another Kane thing where it's just so like, it makes you look weak. If you move, real men don't move their arms. They just, you know, they open doors with their shoulders. Uh, yeah. they, eat, they eat with their legs. Yeah, uh, so you, uh, <laughs> move, moving your arms portrays weakness. Don't do it. I think it might be something along those lines. All right. I mean, again, you go back to our, 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 our well, your theory that you that, that you introduced to the world about the degayification of Michael Caine. I don't think anything, anything, uh, anything like Alfie. Um, no, this really, th- this just puts it to bed. Essentially, doesn't it? Uh, if you it, excuse the. The, a pun that's on a par with the comedy in this movie to be honest with you yeah 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 yeah. it more or less it should kill it stone dead but we will find out there is more to only come. only a real heterosexual man would treat women like absolute fucking dirt <laughs> apparently so that's the lesson that i learned um let's walk away from alfie well done on the yeah. oscar nomination michael kane well done on a brilliant performance but good god good god yeah at what cost at what, at cost? what cost at what cost our next movie is... I don't know a lot about this. You know slightly more about this movie than I do, I think. Do you? Yeah, and again, this isn't... This is the wrong box, which isn't actually the sequel to Alfie, even though it does sound <laughs> as if it could be. <laughs> there is not a lust box to be seen in this film. Well, with some much-needed real comedy this time, anyway, we're going on to, you know, the wrong box, which is apparently called The Delightful Farce, and if that doesn't make you... You want to swallow your own tongue, then you really haven't been listening. <laughs> No, no, no. No, we're going. We're going forward now. We're going forward. Look, we've had. He is. He has just performed the two roles that essentially make his career for the next sixty years. You could not. You could almost say. Um, and now, so let's see what happens next. He's an Oscar nominee. He picks the wrong box. We are, to be fair, still. You really just kind of set up the proper segue. Next up, Michael Caine in the wrong box. Join us next week to see if he picked the wrong film. Yeah, want to try that? Yeah, that's good. No. Yeah, that's no. Go on, try that. No. You'll be good at that. No. You, you got a great, you got a great voice for that. No, the grand, you got the, you got your broadcasting voice that you use for the intro. You could use that. No, no, it's fine. I only use that for the intro. I've only got a limited supply of broadcasting voice, and I'm all out. <laughs> um, actually, one last thing should be said. Of course, this is a massive um strike uh for the working class actor as well, being able to use his own accent. So I will be curious to see. Do we see this accent now much more going forward? Is this how it's going to be? Particularly yes. in the sixties period. Yeah, it was a great opportunity for working class people to be portrayed as portrayed as, as upper class people. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that is ultimately the effect, all right. But look, it's done. We've come through Alfie. We've survived from out the other side. Again, well done, Michael Kane on a great performance. Commiserations on the movie. Go watch the wrong box. Come back to us for the next episode. Um, we're going to go and find them. It's going to be easy to find on the internet. All these films are to be fair so far. Um, Stephen, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. And again, if you want to ask us any questions about the wrong box, if you're leading a full and uh, rounded life, you can uh, hit us individually up on Twitter or follow at MarcoCane2. As usual, fuck you, MarcoCane1. Yeah, we're going to find those guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. 
make sure to like and subscribe and maybe leave a comment only nice ones though mean comments will make Alfie cry and no one wants to see that the Marco Kane podcast is written researched and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley and edited by Andrew Foley music is composed by Stephen Black if you'd like to get in touch you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at Marco Kane 2 and if you enjoyed this episode you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts Mark of Kane is a Mano News 2 Cubes production. See you next time. <laughs>